Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I don't know if you know this, but something big happens on February the 14th. Yeah, ladies are going, uh, men are going. <laughs> yeah, it comes every February the 14th. Okay, just, just, just a newsflash, all right? And so, men, I want to give you a warning, and I want to remind you of a couple of things. If she says she doesn't like flowers, she's lying. If she said she doesn't like candy, she's lying. And if she says she doesn't like jewelry, she's lying. Come on, women, this is your moment. And I want to remind you of the unwavering biblical principle of the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. Let me translate that. If you don't sow on Valentine's Day, there will not be sowing and reaping. There will be sowing and weeping. Come on, that was good. You can go. I had a real interesting conversation with one of my dearest friends who has the largest church in America, and we were together this week, and we've been friends since he was for over 30 years, and he said something to me in a question that really I've been thinking about all week. Here's what he said. He said, hey, Jacob, how is everything that really matters in your life doing? How's everything that really matters? Now, if you have a job or you're a boss or you're a manager or you're part of a large organization, you know there's always stuff going on. But it isn't stuff that really, really matters. When someone says, how are the things in your life that really matter going, who are they talking about? They're talking about relationships. If you're a man, they're talking about your marriage. If you're single, they're talking about your future mate you're praying for. I'm not stupid. There's a lot of beautiful women that come to this church. I know why you're here. I mean, you're just hoping to duck in worship. You know, you see somebody without a wedding ring. Is there a ring on her hand? <laughs> and ladies, I'm not stupid. There's some good-looking, Holy Ghost, jacked-up men of God in this house. There's more besides me and Pastor Chris. Get some of that. But here's what I know. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. And that, that, that I can look at you and I can say, how are you doing? And your house can, note can be paid or paid off. Your, everything, your car can be paid off. Things can be great financially in your life. But if you and your mate are not well, things are not well. That if while you sit here today, your children, one of your children is in crisis, you're not well. You're not well. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever started reading a book in the middle of the book and then tried to figure out the beginning? How how about this one? Some of you are movie killjoys. Because you walk in in the middle of the movie and you sit down and start watching the movie and because you don't understand the movie, because the beginning of the movie, in the first few moments, the plot is set and it helps you understand towards the end of the movie. And, and they sit there, and how I many you have someone in your family that does that? Okay, 
What, who are they? Who are they? Okay, so finally you just stop and you go, look, let me just stop the movie. Why don't you watch the movie yourself? Do you know why? Because if you don't start off a book from the beginning, and if you don't start off a movie from the beginning, then all the pieces and personalities are very confusing. And do you know what? The Bible's that same way. If you don't start off with first things first, if you don't start off with things in the beginning, the way that God intended, life becomes confusing. As a matter of fact, many of the disorders of our life come because we are out of divine order in our relationships. You say, Pastor, what is divine order? Divine order is living life in the order and the priorities that God and his word established for us to live by. In the beginning of the Bible are these words, in the beginning, God. Okay, say that with me. In the beginning, okay, in the beginning, God. What does that mean? That means when it comes to relationships, it has to start with, it has to start with God. And then God creates man, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, in his own image. Okay. Then after he created man, he created who, men? Yeah, one, one of those. <laughs> that came after the next creation. Uh, okay. After he after God created man, then he created who? He created woman. And it tells us something. That the quality of our life is not only determined by our relationships, but the quality of our life is also determined by having the right people in the right place in our life. You see, you not only need the right people in your life, you need the right people in the right place in your life. Genesis 2.22 says, And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to man. So do you see the order? First it's, then it's, then it's. That's the order of importance that God and his divine order designed. And if you don't live your life that way, you live in disorder. The first commandment, is you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your strength. Jesus reiterated that a different way in Matthew six thirty three. Listen to what he says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, when you put God first, everything seems to be added in the right way. But if you add everything else first, God will never settle to be an add-on in your movie. The principle is clear. To live in proper order with man, we must first live in proper order in relationship with The further our world has gotten away from this, the worse we've become, not to God, but to each other. To each other. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Knives don't kill people. People kill people. You could take away all the knives and all the guns that happened. Remember in the first family, and there was two brothers. One was named Cain, and the other one was named, and what happened? They killed each other. You know how Cain killed Abel? 
I would love to tell you, but I'm not able. I waited for that. Here is, here is the principle, and we've seen it. Look, we've seen it. We just went through a worldwide experiment for two years. Lock up people by themselves for two years. And do you know what's happened? I heard recent studies from someone who's been studying this for the last two years this week. You know what they said? People who have anxiety and depression went from 11% of Americans to 40% of Americans. Why? Because we were made for relationship, first with God and then with others. And when we get cut off from others and it's just us and God, then the real us comes out. You can't tell me that in the last 22 months, all of a sudden fear and anxiety rose to a high level because something happened differently that that ever existed before. Part of your emotional and spiritual health has to do with, do you like your own company? Some of us are addiction as people, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. We try to involve other people. And they may be great people, but it doesn't mean they're in the best place in your life. So what happens to our lives when these orders are in disorder? What happens when we put people instead of God on the throne of our lives? People become idols. You know what idols are? They're things that are supposed to give us satisfaction. They're things that are supposed to fulfill us. They're things that are supposed to give us contentment. What happens when you put your children in that throne? Huh? Anybody here ever done that? If you lie in church, you go straight to hell. You don't even pass another church. Has anybody here ever put their children on the throne of your life? Oh, how are the kids doing? Oh, the kids are doing good. I'm good. Your marriage can be hell. Kids are doing good. I'm doing good. Because the chief end of your importance in life is they're on the throne of your life. Whatever brings you the greatest peace, contentment, solace, and satisfaction is the God of your life. Have you ever put your children there? Yes. Sure. It's always a temptation for mamas. Always. What happens when you put your job there? Your job. When things are good, you're good. Man, everything's great, great. Oh, economy's down, economy's down. COVID, COVID, COVID. Hope we get PPP. Hope we get... All of a sudden, that which brought you solace and peace and security is now gone. Well, what happens when it's your house or your cars or the camp or whatever? Do you know why God doesn't want us putting our confidence in people or in things? Because people are going to die and things are going to rot and rust. It isn't because they're bad, it's because they don't last. Someone once said it like this, the only thing I can't give up in my life is God, and that's because I don't have him, he has me. 
We come to the place in our life where we recognize there are idols in our life. One priest who'd been listening to confessions for 50 years said, I have never had one person ever confess the sin of idolatry. You know what that means? That means that we have become so accustomed to living with the wrong things on the throne of our lives. Listen, I, I, I have an amazing marriage. Do I have a gorgeous wife? I mean, I, I'm telling you, Josh was teaching us and all of our staff, and we met at Midtown. She came walking in two days this week, and I just looked at her when she walked in and went, Jesus of Nazareth. The Lord is my shepherd. I see what I want. I mean, I'm married 40 years and 21 days. I mean, it's like, and, and I'm, 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 I'm looking, and, by those, and it's a miracle. It's a miracle of the grace of God and of her grace that we have the marriage that we have. By God's mercy and grace, and I say it in the fear of God, we have the best marriage of anyone I've ever met. And it's Jesus, her, and her parents' example, and my spiritual father's example. It surely didn't come from my good upbringing. But can I tell you this? Michelle is a phenomenal wife, but she's a terrible God. I, I'm a really good husband. And husband, you, if you come, I'm going to help you become a good husband. A really good husband. But can I tell you this? I'm a terrible God. I'm a terrible God. I was speaking to one of my children this week who was talking about some issues, and he said, you know, Dad, I went and saw a counselor. I said, well, that's good. He said, yeah, he told me this was an issue in my life. I said, well, where do you think that came from? He said, it came from my upbringing. I was going to call and ask you. <laughs> and here's what I said to him. Son, on my best day as a daddy, number one, I'm a better daddy than I had. Let's start there. Okay. Remember, maturity is not measured by how far you have to go, but it's how far you came from. I said that for men that are here. Okay. But, but, but I, I can tell you, for me, when you look at the places in our life, on your best day, you fall short. Because I'm human, I don't do some things imperfectly. I do everything imperfectly. And I said to him, son, daddy on his best day doing the absolute best I can do is still going to fall short. And there is a father named God who is the only perfect father that you can look to at all times who will never fail you. Here's the revelation. Are you ready for it? Do you want this? Do you want this? Anytime you put divine expectations on a human being, you will always be disappointed. Some of you are bitter and angry and resentful because the person you love the most failed you. A long time ago, someone told me the way you can keep from being disillusioned is to never become illusioned. And the illusion is, my daddy would never fail me. My Look, I've never lied to my children once in their lifetime. Christian says I lied to him one time. 
It was not true. His mom and I, we didn't have an argument because we don't have arguments. We had heated fellowship. When he was about <laughs> in second grade at Westminster, it was right here down Kali Saloon Road. She and I got into an argument, and I realized, okay, an hour later that I didn't bring him lunch. He literally has helped. That boy is 35 years old. He goes, you lied to me in second grade. The truth is, every human being has a desire to be totally loved and accepted and to totally love. The only person that you can do that with that will never disappoint you is God himself. And a lot of you are mad at God. Because I am a human being, I'm always going to fall short. You're always going to fall short. And that's why we all need the grace of God. And that's not an excuse to live with unhealthy or improper behaviors. I'll tell you, in 48 years of of preaching and working with parents, I've discovered two things that are infinitely true. Parents that have great kids take way too much credit. And parents that have children that do stupid stuff take way too much blame. God was the daddy, Adam and Eve were the kids, and somebody messed up the whole world. There is a fallen nature in every single one of us. Listen, do you think I got where I am today by the good parenting that I received? From my dad that was married five times, my mama two times, and married a man seven times that was raised in a bar? Yep, that's how you get a preacher. You know why you're not a preacher? You ain't been in a bar long enough. Of course not. Of course not. But when God is not in his proper place, what happens is we begin to put everybody else in an improper place. So how do we place God in the proper place in our lives? That's the question. Here's the answer. Jesus answered this. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is filled in questions from all of these religious teachers and and a scribe who was a lawyer of the Bible came to Jesus with the question that they always had. There were over 500 laws of Moses, so they were always arguing about which commandment was the greatest. So Jesus is answering all these questions so brilliantly, and so they come up to him. And here is the conversation. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes, an expert in the Mosaic law, came up and listening to them, arguing with one another, noticed that Jesus answered them well. And he asked this question, which commandment is first and most important of all. What relationship is most important? What place is most important? Jesus answered, the first and most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall, you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your life, with all of your mind, with all your thought and understanding, and with all of your strength. And the second one is like it. You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandments than these. So how do we love God first? Well, first we've got to define what love is. Do you realize how confused our world is about what love is? Tina Turner said, what love got to do with it, got to do with it? 
well, it's got a lot to do with it. Got a lot to do with it. I'm sorry she was abused by Ike Turner, which she was. Love's got a lot to do with it. So we have to define what love is. What kind of love was Jesus speaking of? Well, the New Testament is written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there are three primary words for love. Here's the first one, phileo. It's where we get the city name, Philadelphia, the city of and the murder capital of America. I'll let you figure that one out. Phileo means friendship. It means friendship. Here's the second one, eros. The root word is erotic. This refers to physical intimacy or romance. I I remember growing up as a kid, they didn't have strip joints. They had places with erotic dancers. How many of you old enough to remember that? How do you know what that was? I'm just, 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 yeah, thank you. you. You just, it was erotic dancers. That refers to physical intimacy or romance. And here's the third one. And the word that was used when Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the word, what? Agape. It's to choose the highest good for someone else, even at your own expense. To choose for the highest good of someone else, even if you're not pleased, even if it costs you. This is the word that was used in John 3, 16. For God so greatly loved, agape, and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. This love is not based upon emotions or feelings. It has emotions and feelings. Let me ask you a question. How many of you at one time had a very close friend, they hurt your feelings, and they're now no longer your friend? Okay, absolutely. Why? Because phileo can be placed on feelings and emotions. Here's the second one. Eros. How many married or have been married people do we have here? Raise your hand. How many of you men have planned the perfect romantic evening before? I mean, you got your wife all dressed up and ready to go to Judy's Inn. (laughs) You you couldn't afford nothing else, so you were trying to be nostalgic because you couldn't be expensive romantic. Yeah, baby, I know this is only going to cost $10, but you know, this is where we met. She goes, yeah, but how about Charlie G's or Ruth's Chris? I know, baby, but let's be nostalgic tonight. And so... You, 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 maybe, maybe you go out to some room, maybe you go to Charlie G's, my favorite place, or, and, and, and you, you'll get the duck on Dewey gumbo and the sea bass or the Tabasco ribeye, and Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> and you, you get your favorite meal, okay. and man, you got everything timed out. You had the flowers. Boy, when you pulled up in the driveway, you hit your phone, Kenny G went on inside the house. <laughs> I mean, you got it going on. You walk inside the house. Cupid is not only flying in the house. There are flocks of cupids just, just <laughs> look like swarms of geese just flying and everywhere. It's going to be a good night. Two nights. And I mean, it's going to be good. And all of a sudden, you get a phone call from one of your kids. 
And your wife goes, what? What happened? It's like an illegal hunter came in and shot every cupid from the sky. <laughs> Kenny G's horn got broke. <laughs> I mean, it's just boom, done. And the moment's gone. The old blue song, the thrill is gone, baby. Has anyone ever had that experience besides me? Raise your hand. Three of y'all. Okay. Well, I just, so, so, I, I mean, this is true. I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one of my children, but one of my children named Christian Aranza, <laughs> who's preaching the gospel this morning. I am telling you, my wife is here. I put my hand on the Bible. I am telling you, from the time that child was six months old, if Michelle and I were trying to be romantic, he would scream, beat on the door, come walking in the room. I mean, it's like he had like a, they're starting. Ah! No, that's not bad. No, this is what I'm about to tell you is bad. And she will tell you she's sitting right in the front row. He still has that gift and he's 35. I mean, the other day, I'm looking down, I'm going, he's not three or five, he's 35. Why is he calling us now? <laughs> Why? Because eros is based upon feelings and emotion. So when God asked you and me to love him with all of our heart, is he talking about a feeling or an emotion? Answer, no. Because I could look right here and I could say, okay, Joseph, be mad. J Joseph's probably been mad twice in his whole life, and I don't even remember where they were. Like, Dad, I'm trying to be mad. <laughs> okay, and I go, all right, be happy. Be happy. Ha -ha. Ha -ha. He does that, and John Wesley goes, ha-ha. And he goes, ha-ha. And it's not funny, but it's funny watching both of them act like children. You know why? Because you can't command emotions. But you can command a decision of obedience. And when God commands us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, he's not talking about feeling like you do. He's not talking about the emotions. Yes, emotions come and go in your relationship with God. He's saying, you put me on the throne of your life. You remove everyone else from the throne of your life, and I will be the God of your life, and you will be my child. You can't control emotions, but you can control decisions. You can't control decisions. We live in a hedonistic world. Say that with me, hedonism. If you were to pick up your phone and say, Siri, what is hedonism? Here's what Siri would say. Siri knows everything. You know what it would say? Hedonism is the belief that the chief end of man is pleasure. The whole goal of life is living for pleasure. Is that our world? So if you're living for pleasure, you're actually living for your feelings. Yourself. Yourself. I'm going to tell you something. Miss Michelle's right here. Do you know that growing up, this beautiful woman was a tomboy? She was a tomboy until she was in fifth grade. How many remember when there were tomboys? Raise your hand. They always grew up to be the prettiest girls. 
Do you know what her last spanking was? In fifth grade, she and her four brothers and the boys across the street were playing football on the corner. And they went into shirts and skins, and she pulled off her shirt to be part of skins. Her daddy came around there, yanked her up, and made her wear a dress for the next year. Now, we're laughing. Do you know what they would say about a child today that likes to play with boys? Oh, if you feel that way, then that's who you are. Oh, you're, you're transgender. Oh, I, I know that you look like a woman, but you're actually a man trying to find these inner... When, when I became a Christian when I was 15 years old in 1971, you know what they used to tell me? You Christians, you know what's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't believe in science. All y'all believe in the scripture. Is it scripture? You know what I look at them and say now? You lost people. You don't have a problem with scripture. You got a problem with science. If it looks like a boy, walks like a boy, talks like a boy, got the chromosomes of a boy, got the other stuff of a boy. But if you're defining yourself by your emotions, if you're defining yourself by your emotions, then your emotions determine your identity. And let me tell you something about emotions you need to know. Look at me. Listen to an old man, 63. My wife says she hates it when I say I'm an old man. Look at me. Emotions are not loyal. They lie. They lie. They'll tell you today you don't love that person. Then when you leave them, they'll tell you yet tomorrow that you did. They'll tell you that you hate someone that you're close to, and then tomorrow they'll tell you that you don't hate them. But if you try to live according to your emotions, you will be completely unstable. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Is that our world? Of course it is. So agape is not based upon emotion or choice or chance but it is putting God as a priority of our life hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly and continuing to make him the priority, the king of our lives, the one who sits upon the throne. Why do you want to say this, Pastor Jacob, going into a marriage series? I'll tell you why. Because until you put God first in his place in your life, you will always have everybody else in the wrong place. Do you know why most marriages end? I'm not, a, I'm not a marriage expert. I've only counseled 10 or 15,000 people and been married 40 years and 21 days. Are you counting? Absolutely. My daddy got divorced at 20 years. I'm counting every day till I get to 80. If I get in memory care, I'll be that guy you walk in going, 400. <laughs> He goes, he's not 400. He just keeps counting. He just keeps counting. Because before I can have any other relationship in proper order in my life, Jesus alone must sit on the God throne of my life. Do you know why so many people are wrestling with their sex addiction? Because they're trying to find from their mate what they can only get from God, and your mate can't give it to you. They're not the source. He is. 
not the source he is. And intimacy becomes not giving but taking. Not giving but taking. How, how do I make Jesus the King, the Lord of the throne of my life? Number one, last three minutes, I must choose daily to put him on the throne of my life. I, I am fallen in my nature, so if, if, if I don't do that every day, something, a bitterness will come in there, an unforgiveness will come in there. An idol of hunting or pleasure or sports, it will come in. Every day, I've got to go and I've got to bow down before him and say, Jesus, I put you on the throne of my life because if I don't, everything else by default will go there. Second, I've got to dethrone every other idol. You know what's interesting? I don't have to work at idols coming back. You ever have a garden? Anybody ever plant anything that you can talk about in church? <laughs> do, do you, how many have ever had a garden? Raise your hand. Did you have weeds? Did you plant them? Why can you plant tomatoes, but tomatoes not grow up, but you not plant weeds, but weeds always grow up? Because we live in a fallen world and weeds are what's normal. And every day I've got to get before God and I have to pull the weeds out of my heart so that he can sit on the throne of my heart. Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I must crucify my flesh. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. We all know Galatians 5, some of you by memory. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You know what the next verse says? And those that are Christ have crucified the flesh along with his passions and desires. Every day I got to take pride and nail it to the cross so Jesus can sit on the throne. Every day I got to take lust. Pastor, you're our pastor. Do you ever struggle with lust? Heck Yeah! I'm not your pastor because I'm perfect. I'm your pastor because I lead the example of what you need to do so that you don't become something you never wanted to become. I must crucify my flesh. I must nail my pride, my lust, my arrogance, my unforgiveness, my resentment, my indifference. I must daily nail it to the cross of Jesus Christ so that he can be resurrected daily inside of me. Here's the final thing. I must acknowledge that until God is in the proper place in my life first, no one else ever will be in the proper place in my life. No one. No one. You can't get pretty enough to tame your husband's heart. Victoria's Secret never created enough stuff for you to tame the heart of a man who won't let God tame his heart. You won't. You won't. 
say, Pastor, why did you share this message first at the beginning of a relationship message? Because you know how you do spring cleaning? And you just go through and you get rid of stuff that you just kind of tolerated? This is a spiritual spring cleaning of your heart so that you can put your mate or your future mate in the right place in your life. Put your children in the right place in your life. Father, today, I thank you for the amazing people that sit here. I thank you for the total trust as they come and sit, that they would hear the word of God and that you would operate on their hearts. That you would operate. Holy Spirit, only you can come and identify every idol on every heart of every person here, even if it's never been named. Father, Send your Holy Spirit to do a spiritual house cleaning in every one of us. Today, we want to remove every single idol from our heart so that you might be in full control. Because when you're most glorified in me, I'm most satisfied. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now. Come now. Speak to each heart. Now I want you to open up the palms of your hand and just lay them on your lap. Father, today we come with open hands. Lord, we ask you to remove in the mighty name of Jesus through repentance now everything that's been on the throne of our life to give us fulfillment, contentment, security, and satisfaction. It's not God. It's not you. You will be Lord of all or you will not be Lord at all in our lives. Today we surrender them. The marriage, the mate, the children, the job, the possessions, the blessings, the security, the retirement, the looks, the attitudes, the pride, the unforgiveness. We surrender it all to you. All to you. All to you. Breathe on us. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit. And now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, they wouldn't enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of God. What does that mean, Pastor? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. 
My birthday's June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a junior high school. That day, I was born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. The old Jacob died that day, and a new one was raised from the dead. Everything didn't leave my life immediately, but that was the moment everything began to change for eternity. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how can I be born again? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. He died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. If Jesus said I must be born again to be spiritually alive and to know him, then today I want you to pray for me. Today I want to be born again. I've never been born again. Remember, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. So if that's you and today you want to pray to be born again, you want me to pray for you? I'm the only one that's looking. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One. God brought you here. Nothing is an accident. Everything in your life has led to this moment and God has been talking to you. Two, everything in your life has waited to this moment. God has divinely placed circumstances and situations to even lead you to where you are right now. And now's the moment if you want to be born again and have a new beginning. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. Pastor, pray for me. I've never been born again. I want to be born again. Come on, raise it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Anywhere else? Sixteen. Anywhere else? Okay. Last ten seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these sixteen, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I don't know why I've waited so long. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. I want to join these 16. If that's you, I'm asking this last time, wave your hand at me if you didn't raise your hand yet. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. All right. You can put your hands down. Church, let's join these that raised their hand. Let's all pray this prayer together with them to be born again today. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my guilt my sin and my shame and you died for it I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go and you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn away from sin to be born again today God is my father Jesus is my savior and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen.